Our scripture this morning comes from Genesis chapter 33, verses 1 through 11. Now Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming, and 400 men with him. So he divided the children among Leah and Rachel and the two maids. He put the maids with their children in front, then Leah with her children, and Rachel and Joseph last of all. He himself went on ahead of them, bowing himself to the ground seven times until he came near his brother. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. When Esau looked up and saw the women and children, he said, Who are these with you? Jacob said, The children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maids drew near and their children and bowed down. Leah likewise and her children drew near and bowed down. And finally Joseph and Rachel drew near and they bowed down. Esau said, What do you mean by all this company that I have met? Jacob answered, To find favor with my Lord. But Esau said, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. Jacob said, No, please. If I find favor with you, then accept my present from my hand. For truly to see your face is like seeing the face of God, since you have received me with such favor. Please accept my gift that is brought to you, because God has dealt graciously with me, and because I have everything I want. So he urged him, and he took it. This is God's word for God's people. Thanks be to God. Well, before we get started with the sermon, I have a few questions for you guys. Where did Jacob first meet Rachel? Was it the town dance on the road to Emmaus, a livestock auction, or at a well? The answer is well, yes. Genesis chapter 29. Another question. Jacob had 12 sons and one daughter. What was the daughter's name? Rachel, Leah, Dinah, Sarah? Dinah, Genesis 34, verse 1. Where was Joseph taken after he was sold by his brothers? To New Mexico, Egypt, Canaan, or Turkey? He went to Egypt, yes, in Genesis chapter 37. And I think I have one last question. What skill did Joseph have that got him released from prison in Egypt? Dream interpretation, weather forecasting, bricklayer, or a master baker? Very good. I don't know about you guys at home, but I think everybody got all of those right. Did, did y'all get them good? You sound, I heard the words. You did a great job. Thank you uh, for playing along with the Bible quiz. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, as your word has now been read and as it is proclaimed, we ask that you would speak your words deep into our heart and soul. Use my words or speak in spite of my words, but speak your word for us today. And may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, our scripture today that, that had the little phrase in there that when Jacob saw Esau, he said it was like seeing the very face of God. That, that sort of got me thinking, what would the face of God look like? You know, the Bible uses terms that we can understand. We know that God is spirit, that he, God does not look like we look. Um, but the Bible talks about the hand of God and, and the feet of God for justice and talks about attributes in words that we humans can understand them. And so what is it 
to see the face of God. Well, I then had an idea that I thought might be right. I think if we were to look into the face of God, what we would see is a reflection of who we are at our very core. We would see all that we have ever done that has hurt others, that has hurt ourselves, and then we would see complete forgiveness, the face of grace. There'd be a mirror of our own life and heart reflected in the one who knows us completely. You know you can't hide anything from God. We're told in Exodus, as God speaks to Moses, that you can't see him face to face and live. And I I thought about that line, and I thought, well, you know, I think maybe because we would be undone by the very starkness of, of what we've done to damage relationships, and then to understand that we are loved and forgiven in spite of all that. Have you ever had the opportunity to see the reflection of the face of God in someone else that you know you've damaged or that you've wronged and you've received forgiveness? Because you see, true forgiveness is not a sign of weakness. True forgiveness comes from a place of strength. It is a refusal to let hate take root in your soul and exercising the strength in knowing exactly the wrong that has been done and choose forgiveness. And that's when people would see the very face of God exhibited in our actions. We have the story of Jacob and Esau, and and if you're following along, you've read it, and you're like, that is like a soap opera. (laughs) It it, kind of is. Is it's you know the Old Testament version of soap opera all through Genesis? We have Isaac and Rebecca that got married, and then. Rebecca pregnant and and she finds she's having twins and so the first one comes out and we're told he's all red and hairy and they call him Esau and grabbing onto his heel as he's being born is Jacob and so they name him Jacob or heel grabber or supplanter and they both live into their names as the things that we find out about Jacob and Esau is as they grew you know Esau was a man's man. He loved to hunt and do all those kind of things, and he was sort of ruled by his appetites, and we find he was Isaac's favorite. (laughs) And then we learn about Jacob, that, that he was, you know, more of a mama's boy, liked it quiet, liked to be in the house, liked to maybe cook, um, and, and was different, and he was Rebecca's favorite. Now, as any of you who are parents know, that is a deadly disaster, not only to have a favorite, but for them to know who your favorite is. I can remember as a young parent, as my kids grew up, you know, till they were, I don't know, Michael just turned 34, so probably still. If I was going to give out M&Ms, they better be the same number of M&Ms and the same colors. 
else somebody would think that I was showing favoritism. But we're told that Isaac's favorite is Esau and Rebekah's favorite is Jacob. And, and as they grow, we get these two pictures. One time Esau is sitting at the table and he is so hungry. And Jacob is cooking dinner. And Esau says, give me some of that red stuff. Give me some of what you're cooking. I need it. I'm starving. I'm famished. And Jacob, supplanter, heel grabber, says, mm, well, sell me your birthright. I'll give you this bowl uh, for your birthright. And Esau, ruled by his passions and hunger, says, what good is it? I'm about to die of hunger. Take it. We're told he despised his birthright. You see, in ancient times, it mattered. The oldest child got a double portion of the inheritance, and then any children after that split the other half, right? So one got half. Anybody else that was born after that got the rest, and they split it. The next time that we see Jacob and Esau in this sort of a light is Isaac has become an old man. He thinks at least that he's pretty close to death, and so he wants to give the blessing to Esau, and he's blind or near blind. And so he says, Esau, go out and shoot me some of that game that you know I like and come back and prepare it and let me have a tasty meal, and then I'm going to give you the family blessing. Off goes Esau. He loves to hunt. Off he goes. And as he leaves, the scene shifts to Rebekah because she also heard Isaac say that. And she said, Jacob, come here. I need you to go out in the barn and get one of our best lambs. We're going to slaughter it. We're going to cook it together. And you're going to go and you're going to feed it to your dad. And then you're going to get the family blessing. And Jacob's like, I don't know that that's a good idea. Not because he had any moral qualms about it, but because he thought he might get found out. And so we have this sort of humorous story of them taking, you know, the wool uh, and putting it on his arms and, and, and probably putting him in Esau's clothes because as he goes up to his father with this uh, food that is prepared. His father goes, well, it's the voice of Jacob, but whew, sure smells like Esau. <laughs> and so it gives him the blessing. And Esau comes back, and is ready to serve his dad. And his dad says, ah, I already gave the blessing away to your brother. You know, heel-grabbing supplanter Jacob. And Esau was devastated. And then he was immediately crazy angry. So full of anger and rage that he said, as soon as I am able to mourn the death of my father, I'm going to kill my brother. That's how angry he was. Rebecca found that out as well. And so she sent Jacob off back to their homeland where Rebecca had come from, back to Rebecca's family in order to find a wife from their clan. Esau, in the meantime, had married the, the local women, and Rebecca said, no, I want Jacob to go back and marry from our clan. And so she sent him away saying, you need to be gone long enough for your brother to settle down before you come back home. And so Jacob took off, and while he was on the way, he had an encounter with God, and he got there, and, and he then, you know, another soap opera, the story of him marrying Leah, then Rachel, and in the, in the meanwhile, acquiring their maids, and the baby race was on, right? Then they all had the race to have babies, and there were 12 sons and one daughter born during that time, and he was working for Rebecca's brother, his uncle Laban, 
who as it turns out was even a better supplanter than Jacob was. Um, And so when they left, Jacob had a lot of herds. He, he knew that he wanted to go back to his homeland with his wives and with all of his children and be back over there. And, and he had, a, you know, a lot of things. And off he went. But to get back home, he was going to have to go through Esau. <laughs> the last words he had heard from Esau was that he was going to kill him. And so Jacob goes on the way back, and, and in the meanwhile, he wrestles with God at night and, and again is, is given a blessing. And he, he heard the scripture today. He sends presents to Esau. Um, and when he does that, he hears Esau's coming back with 400 men. He's got to be thinking slaughter. He sends him gifts. He lines up all of his wives and his children, and then he moves around to the front of them and goes to approach him, not knowing what to expect. But instead of vengeance, instead of revenge, Esau grabs his neck and cries and welcomes him back to their homeland. And Jacob said, to see your face, it's like seeing the face of God, the face of forgiveness. Later on in our readings this past week, we have the story of Joseph, right? At 17, he was all full of himself, um, and he was a dreamer, and he had dreams, and he also was his dad's favorite, by the way, again. Um, and so he, um, he had dreams, and he told his brothers about his dreams, about them bowing down to him, and they were furious. He's not only a tattletale, goes back and tells dad everything they do wrong, but now he's talking about how he's so much better than them, and he's the runt of the family. And so one of the days when he comes to see them, they conspire first to kill him, and then they decide, no, why not? Let's not kill him. Let's sell him. <laughs> and they sold him to a group of people gone their way to Egypt, and off 17-year-old Joseph goes, probably begging for his life, don't do this, don't do this, I'll change. And they sent him away anyway. The story of Joseph in Egypt, right? He, he rises, he's thrown in prison, he rises from the ranks because he, God is with him and because he has the ability to interpret dreams and because he is growing and maturing and is doing the right thing. And he's finally the prime minister of Egypt, second in power only to Pharaoh after interpreting a dream. And he manages all of Egypt in these seven years of famine, and I mean in the seven years of <clears throat> plenty and then into these years of famine. <clears throat> and his brothers come to Egypt not knowing any of that, looking for food to keep their family alive And at one point in the story, they discover that it's Joseph. He reveals himself to them, and he has the very power over their lives. They had done him so wrong. They had sold him without thinking of his welfare one bit. But instead of executing them, he falls on them weeping and hugs their neck, and says, you all meant it for harm, but God meant it for good, and I am in a position now to save our family. And he offered forgiveness. The very face of God. 
on June 17, 2015, at Mother Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, the oldest African-American church in the country. There was a group of people gathered there that evening for Bible study, and in walks 21-year-old white man who came and then stayed in their group as they did Bible study. And then as they bowed their heads to pray, he pulled out his gun and began shooting them. And nine mothers and sisters and brothers and sons and preacher lost their life that night. An investigation into this showed that white nationalist Dylan Roof intended for this crime to start a race war in his community. But he could have never dreamed what would happen next. At his bond hearing, one by one, several of the families of the victims stood up and addressing him, told him, I forgive you. Now, they didn't downplay the suffering that they were going through. They didn't diminish the lives of the loved ones that were taken from them. But they chose to forgive. And he may or may not have known it that day, but in their faces, if he looked, he would have seen the very face of God. And because of the reaction of these family members, that city during that time came together rather than tore apart. Friends, God is not some softy that forgives us only because he's unable to discipline us. No, God sees us exactly the way that we are. God allows us to experience the pain of broken relationships and the results of our behavior, and he looks at us unflinchingly and offers us full forgiveness. And if that doesn't completely undo you, then you don't really understand the power of grace. God's own son while hanging on a cross in the most extremely painful and humiliating death that could be dealt out in first century Roman times, he looked out at the soldiers and the scoffers and the religious elite that had started him on this road to his death, and rather than calling down rightfully so the wrath of God on these people, he looked at them from the cross and said, Father, forgive them. <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. That's what the face of God looks like. We have been forgiven when we don't deserve to have been forgiven. And we have within us the power to offer forgiveness to those who have wronged us badly. And can we also have the humility to ask for forgiveness from those whom we have wronged?
Forgive us our trespasses, O God, as we forgive those who trespass against us. May it be so. Let us pray. Holy God, Lord, this whole business of forgiveness is so much bigger than we are. God, as we offer our hearts to you anew on this day, we accept the forgiveness that you give to us in grace as we turn to you. God, may others, when they look into our face, see your face as people, as individuals who forgive even the most unforgivable, not because we are weak, but because in God we are strong. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.